0: Good evening, everyone. My name is Audric. If you don't know, uh, if you do know me, my name's Audric too. I'm one of the ministers here. Um, I serve with the kids, and I'll be sharing God's word with us today. So keep your Bibles open in front of you, page sixteen twenty-five, as we read through Luke fifteen. But before we begin, how about we pray and ask God to help us, Heavenly Father? Would you help us as we read Your word today? Open our hearts to Your word and open your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I come from a family with tiger parents. So what that meant was that I had to do a lot of tutoring and a lot of extracurricular activities. I started piano lessons when I was the ripe old age of three years old. Most of my holidays were spent at a nine-to-three coaching college, and my afternoons, oh well, What afternoons? Because they were just jam-packed with sport and music and other tutoring. It was go, go, go. And only the best was expected from my sister and I. You'd better be a doctor. Doctors earn good money and have stable jobs. That's what my mum always said. People are always sick, so you'll never be out of a job. Which is why I have this one distinct memory in high school. I was always good at maths, probably because I'm Asian, so I knew that that was my meal ticket into studying medicine. So one year I worked so hard that I topped my grade with a 97% in the final exam. That's 97%. (laughs) I only lost two marks in the entire exam, that was pretty close to perfection. So I was excited to take this exam home, right, show my mum, this will show her, I was Pretty smug about it. But it actually didn't take long for my stupid smile to be wiped off my face because my mum asked me, 97%? So you still made mistakes? Let me see them. So she rifled through my exam and she found the offending questions and she saw immediately that they were silly mistakes. So silly, Audric, always making silly mistakes. It was at that moment that I realized that I was never going to be good enough. Nothing I did was going to receive praise. I was never going to be welcomed home into the academic heaven of an immigrant parent. (laughs) You know what? It can be quite similar in the way that we come to God. Without realizing, we can come to God feeling like nothing we do will ever please him. We come to him knowing that we failed him again. We struggle with our pride. We're still disobeying our parents. We're still lying to climb the corporate ladder. We're still gossiping. We're still hiding our sexual sins. And we know that we can't hide it from God. So then, how can we come to him still? How can we ask him for anything? Because why would God want us to come to him while we have this huge stinking pile of laundry stacked? Well, today in Luke 15, we learn truly what God thinks. So, where are we in Luke 15? A crowd is gathered. They've come around Jesus, and among them are Pharisees and teachers of the law. They're muttering amongst themselves, and they're complaining. This man eats with sinners. Why would Jesus bother with this human garbage? What kind of teacher would bother with this filth? You might as well pull out a dog bowl and eat off the floor with this garbage. No one would risk standing in society by doing this. They're standing in society by doing this. Stooping down low just to spend time with thieves, murderers, and traitors, these godless fools. Let's cast our eyes to verse 1 and 2. Verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus hears what they're saying. So he answers them. He starts by asking them, what would you do if you lost one of your hundred sheep? Sheep, of course, are important for a shepherd. They provide wool, they provide meat, they provide income. So the man starts counting their sheep, and he gets to 99, and there's no hundred. So what does he do? He goes looking for that hundredth sheep. The shepherd searches high, he searches low. He looks to all the plains, he looks at the cliffs and the valleys to see where the sheep might have gone. He leaves no plain, no rock unturned until he finds it. And when he finds it, he's overjoyed. He's so relieved that he carries this 80 plus kilogram sheep on his shoulders all the way home. No worries. He's stoked, he can't contain himself. So he celebrates and he brings people in with him, his friends, his neighbors, and invites them to share the excitement with him. And Jesus says that God rejoices even more than this. When even one sinner repents, God and all the heavens rejoice. Read with me from verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. So God has a great joy when a sinner is found. But we're not done. Jesus goes on to tell another story, a story about a lost coin. And now we're not talking about one out of a hundred. We're talking about just one out of ten coins, roughly a day's wage for each coin. And this is actually probably more than a day's wage for this woman because she's so poor that her house doesn't have the luxury of a window. It's dark inside, which is why she pulls out the lamp and she searches through for this huge sum of money. These are a life savings, 10% of a life savings. It's like one day you check your bank account and you're missing 10% of your money. You go looking for it, don't you? That's the money that you've worked really hard to earn. You go through your transaction list and you look for what you might have accidentally spent. You call up the bank and you don't hang up until you've found that 10%. Same way, this woman searches high, she searches low, and she casts light into every nook and cranny. She doesn't stop until it's found. But when she finds it, she rejoices. She's so excited that she can't even contain herself. She invites those around her to share in her enjoyment. And Jesus says again, Even more than this is God's joy for the sinner who repents. Let's see it in verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So you can see, it's building up, right? First a sheep, now a coin, and then now we get to see a lost son, even more valuable. And here's how the story goes. There's a father with two sons. The younger of the son is greedy and demands his inheritance early, well before his father has died. So if I were to translate this into 2022 English, it just would be, Dad, can you just die already? And those listening in the crowd would be hearing this, expecting the son to be beaten, to be cast out, disowned from his own family. It's not much different to how you'd be treated if you did it to an Asian parent, right? But the weird thing here is that the father tolerates it. He tolerates this disrespect, and he actually gives the son what he wants. So off goes this young man, wallet full, living like a kid with a hundred bucks in a candy shop, like a teenager with their first paycheck. He sees it, he likes it, he buys it. But eventually, just like people who win the lotto, the money eventually runs out, and he's left with nothing. He can't even buy food. He's so hungry that he's looking at the pigs eating and he wants to join in. And at that moment, he has a moment of clarity. He realizes that even his father's servants lived better than this. So maybe he'll go back to his dad and be a servant. Great idea. So charges back home and he treks all the way back home. But as he's nearly there, His dad sees him in the distance and starts running. This is crazy. He's running. It might sound very normal to us because dads here run. Dads here cycle in really tight tights and shave their legs. But this isn't North Shore dad. This is Middle Eastern dad. Men don't run. Middle Eastern dads don't run. They don't tuck their tunic up like a woman. They don't show their bare legs. Men don't throw wild throws of emotion, especially not a man of this status. And the father not only runs, but he embraces his son, clothes him with the best robe, likely his own, puts a shoe puts shoes on him, puts a ring on his finger. The father treats him like family. The son is restored back to the family. The father is so overjoyed that he kills the fat and calf. This is even more than inviting family and friends in the past two stories, because when the fat and calf is cooked, the whole village is invited. There's enough food for everyone. He's saying, Come, see everyone, look, my son is back. Celebrate with me. This is a huge party. Spare no expense. Let's cast our eyes to verse eleven. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of, my, of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out as a citizen of that country, Bring the fat and calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The sun is back! Daddy's happy. Yeah! Roll the credits, it's a Disney movie! Hit the high-energy music, everyone's dancing! It's not the end of the story, though. It's not actually the end of the story. Because remember how I said it was a story about a lost son? I should have actually said it's the story of two lost sons. We've met one lost son and he's back. But there's another son. See, we've seen the classic traditional lost son splurging his cash on a lavish life. But there's this one now. And we, we see it in the way that he speaks to his father. He goes, look. You don't start with look to a Middle Eastern dad. Very disrespectful. You start with dad, you start, start with father, you start with an honorary word and he carries on and he goes, I've always done the right thing, I've slaved for you, I've never disobeyed you and I've never even gotten a goat, let alone a fattened calf. He's so mad that he won't even join the party, he won't even acknowledge his returning brother back and we see that he's a different type of loss because he also doesn't care about how his dad feels. He just cares that his so-called brother of his got to do whatever he want. He get to spend all of that money, and somehow at the end of it, he still gets a party. While well, the older brother gets nothing. Let's see him reading from verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your father your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat, so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fat and calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So we're left with a cliffhanger ending. What will the older son do? Will he miss out on the banquet? Or will he join in and celebrate his brother's return? It's not a Disney story ending, is it? Well, we have three things that we can learn from these stories today. But before that, let's just go over what we've just read. We've seen three stories, right, of increasingly valuable things. And they were, fa- they were lost and they were found. So we see a sheep, a coin, then a son. And when they were found... There was incredible rejoicing, rejoicing with those around them. So, what's our take-home point number one? Number one is the joy of God. Friends, when we turn away from our sin and turn to God, God delights in us. When we wholly and fully trust that Jesus has taken away our sin, all of heaven erupts in praise. Praise. When we read in this passage that there is joy in heaven when a sinner is found, that joy in heaven is for you. Christians, do you believe it? This is God's joy, and this is God's joy for you, each and every one of you. Don't make the mistake of making God be like my tiger parents, a God who is constantly disappointed, a God who is in the distance, a God who doesn't really care. This is not our God. This is not the God of the Bible. Let me tell you, we have this incredible, amazing God. He created this entire world. He's an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-encompassing God. And he holds all of life in his hand. And still, he's happy. He's a happy God. God is delighted in you. He loves you. He cherishes you. You are his great God prize. His prized possession. You're that lost sheep. You're that lost coin. You're that lost son. Can you picture it? God filled with joy for you. God is joy. He's Fullness of pleasure in Him, there is fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures evermore. Psalm sixteen, eleven. This is the God of the Bible. Don't get confused with what we see in the movies or what we might feel God is like, because God is a joyful God. And Christians, this is your God. The joy of God—that's number one. Number two, the welcome of God. At the beginning of the passage that we read today, Jesus gets criticized. In verse two, the Pharisees complained, Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. Yuck. Can you imagine the faces of the tax collectors and the sinners as they heard the parable of the lost sons? They would have known that Jesus, who Jesus was talking about. They could see that they were the younger sons. They were the ones who threw away their inheritance with the Father. They were once God's chosen people. But instead, they betrayed their people. They left them. They stole from them. They lived their own way, not the way that God had chosen for them. But here Jesus is saying there's a place for the sinful son to return back to the family. Despite all the cruelty and the judgment that they've received from the Pharisees, these sinners could be welcomed back home as sons. Jesus was reserving a place in God's kingdom for them. Jesus was welcoming human garbage. How is it that human garbage have a place in God's kingdom? Because God's kingdom is supposed to be for the good people, right? Well... From the story of the lost sons, we learned that the traditional human garbage wasn't the only human garbage, right? The oldest son claimed to have done everything right by the father. And yet he stood outside unwilling to be grateful for his brother's return. He was missing out on the celebrations, self-righteous, just like the Pharisees and the scribes. But you know what? The father still... Despite the older brother's disgusting attitude, despite resisting that it's his brother who's come back and refusing to come to the party, the father still welcomes the older son. The father welcomes both the sons. The father cares for both of his sons, and this is the heart of our heavenly father. The father welcomes all, all garbage. There is no such thing as too wicked. There is no such thing as too evil, too despicable, too unlikable. Call yourself whatever human garbage you want. And I'm saying human garbage a lot. What do I mean by that? Well, take your pick. Human garbage can mean murderer, thief, adulterer, your garden variety, crooks. But what about being judgmental? What about being self-righteous? What about being proud? What about being greedy? And that's just the top of the list. Is that you? I think that means that we're all human garbage. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there, does it? The story doesn't end with the coin being stuck under the lounge. It doesn't end the story with the sheep being stranded on a cliff face, the sun wallowing with the pigs. God's welcome goes beyond that. God's invitation doesn't say, all right, just RSVP, let me know that you're coming before you die. God doesn't wait for you to idly decide. God searches for you, high and low. He gets the lamp out and he searches you out. He comes and finds you and he brings you back. And do you know how he does this? He does this by sending Jesus to die for all of human garbage. Dying the death reserved for For human garbage, only the worst of people die on a cross. Just so God could welcome you back to his family. Jesus is the welcome. Jesus is that invitation. Turn away from your sin. Trust in him. Let Jesus take away all the punishment for your sin. Friends, if that is you today, and you haven't turned away from Jesus, I've turned away from your sin. If you haven't placed your trust in Jesus yet, there is good news. The Father wants you home. The Father wants his son back. Come back now. Today is the day. Don't wait any longer. Don't let anything hold you back. You're not too far gone. He's not, too, he's not far away. He won't reject you. It, just because it's been ages since you turned to God, he's not waiting for you to clean yourself up. God just wants you. Don't fool yourself into thinking that anyone around you is less human garbage than you. Without Jesus, we're all a giant trash can of human garbage. We're all rebels. We're all filthy sinners, incapable of turning to God. But God is searching for you, looking for you, so that you just come home. Turn away from your sin now. Join the banquet. Of the fat and calf God wants the joy of your return isn't that incredible we can then be the most unlikable the most disgusting human garbage possible and God still welcomes us and if you're someone here who is X garbage thanks to Jesus take heart in knowing that God searched high and low for you You are his prized sheep. You are his prized coin. You are his prized son. And that is your worth in Christ. How good is God's welcome? A welcome to complete fresh. Well, third and finally, we get to also be the neighbors. So number three, we get to share in God's joy. We're sharing in God's joy. So... The last thing we would want to do is be like the older son sitting outside of the banquet missing out wouldn't it be awful to be like the scribes and the pharisees grumbling away about sinners being welcomed can you imagine what you'd be missing out if that meant nothing if we didn't care that sinners were being found by god we'd be missing out on joy we'd be missing out on the happiness that god has for us as christians the father wants to share this joy with us. We see it in all three stories. The shepherd, the woman, they invite their friends, they invite their families, and the father goes even further. He kills the entire fattened calf and he invites the entire village. We get to be that part of the village. We get to be those friends and family. We get to be a part of God's joy in finding the lost. We're the neighbors, Where are the friends, Where are the family. Isn't it great to be a part of what God is doing? We get to enjoy people coming into God's family. Is this exciting you? You get excited when you think about it. Sinners repenting and turning from their sin to a life with their heavenly Father. We saw it in the spotlight earlier, right? Easy English. Beth and Shaleen get to joyfully serve in easy English. And it's not just because they do it there and they love teaching visitors and immigrants about how to be Australian and how to speak English. They love it because they get to witness firsthand people returning to God, people like Akiko, people like those two women. They get to share the Bible with those who are lost, people that God is seeking, people that God is rejoicing when they turn to him. Beth, Shalene easy english team they all get to share in god's joy and how about the mission offering we heard today (coughs) today why is it so exciting we raised two over two hundred thousand dollars that's a lot of money well done everyone it's so awesome we get to enjoy it because god is searching the lost and people are being found not just here but everywhere across the world to the ends of the world And this mission offering helps that happen. That's exciting, right? We're a part of it. When we hear about Egal and he converts another drug addict and another prisoner, that's a win for all of us. We get to rejoice with Egal. We get to rejoice with God. When we hear another uni student and we see that Dan and Megan or Sarah Weber have brought another uni student to Christ, we get to rejoice with them and we get to rejoice with God. It feels great. It's amazing. And this is that feeling that we've got to hold on to. We've got to cling on to this feeling, right? Because as we cling on to this feeling, that's going to want us to keep on welcoming others into God's family. We're going to want to preach the good news of Christ crucified and resurrected. We're going to not want to stop serving. We're not going to want to stop serving. We're going to keep giving. We're going to keep telling ourselves this is not enough. We're going to cling Onto the joy of God's joy for the lost and we will work tirelessly seeking out the lost so that all might turn to Jesus and then we will share even more in God's joy this is God's joy for the lost let's pray Heavenly Father you are an incredible God full of joy and full of love help us to see that help us to share that joy that we might seek to see the lost be found in you. In Jesus' name, amen.